0: In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argo's podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. Huge week this week as the Argos head to BC. Here's the stories we got for you on this episode. Ricky Ray and Dick Thornton are both being entered into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Ernest Edwards was released. We've got OCDC coming for you as we set up this huge matchup with the BC Lions. We, of course, will also have one thing, our predictions for this week fantasy advice, and our picks for all the games in the CFL. All that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Ricky Ray and Dick Thornton going to the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. These are basically no-brainers for us. We've talked about Dick Thornton before on our All-Time Argos episode, and everybody in the CFL, anyone who's a CFL fan, would have said, yeah, Ricky Ray, first ballot Hall of Fame, and there he is, first ballot.
1: Yeah. It, it's nice for Ricky Ray. Uh, he's had, you know, such a prolific career um, with Edmonton and Toronto. It's kind of weird because he was probably better at Edmonton than he was in Toronto, but um, you know, Toronto considers him the best Argo quarterback of all time. Uh, but clearly his stats are amazing. And uh, you know, so he, you know, he's certainly well, you look at his career in totality. He's certainly well-deserving of, of the hall of fame. I've, you know, I could I could sit and debate whether he's the best Argos quarterback of all time or not, but uh, I wouldn't debate his Hall of Fame credentials.
0: We have sat and debated that, I think, <laughs> <laughs> because yep. it's really tough. Like with the Argos, because you, you're we we need to know what the criteria is. Because Doug Flutie, I think, would probably be the answer, except that it was you know a couple seasons. Does that does that skew anything? Ricky Ray here for what seven years, and, and it, it is weird that. Both of those guys, while you would say have to be up there, both of them are definitely in the top four, for sure. I, You know, I think a lot of people just have them top two. But they were arguably better with other teams. It, it, It is weird, but you can't deny that he would have, even if he just, like if he just played for Toronto, I think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. And if he just played for Edmonton, He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. So it's, you know, it it's a really easy decision to send him into the Hall of Fame. But yeah, it is weird that I, I remember when TSN was doing those, the all-time teams, and they had, I think they had Doug Flutie as the quarterback for both, well, they have Doug Flutie for the quarterback yeah. for both Toronto and yeah, Calgary? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you could have done the same with, with Ricky Ray for, for Edmonton in Toronto. So, you know, whatever. He he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm glad that, you know, we certainly think of him as an Argonaut, but I certainly wouldn't blame anyone uh, for thinking of him with his Edmonton ties because, yeah, he spent, spent more time there. His stats were better there. But I think it was just more the uh, just the number of games because he played so much more in Edmonton. Dick Thornton's kind of a fun one. We talked about him on our all-time Argos list because he's such just such a unique stats perspective uh, for um, I'm going to say modern. He played in the 60s so it's not not that modern but by Argos standards you know you can go back you can go back a long way so in the history of the Argonauts he's sort of modern but he was so multi-positioned. He was Best known as a defensive back, he was a very good defensive back. A, I think he had the most. I think he had the most points scored as a defensive player, and he held that record for for like forty years or or something like that. Uh, pick sixes, fumble return touchdowns. But he also played quarterback. He played. He was a punter, a running back, a wide receiver. This is in the days of Ironman football, but they were sort of phasing that out. So it was right at the end of it, and to be able to play all of those positions professionally and to score touchdowns in five different ways. I think it's pretty amazing. So yeah, another guy that deserves to be there. He also played with the Blue Bombers, but I'm going to think of him as an Argonaut.
1: Yeah, it brings up an interesting conversation for another day about, you know, are there any current Argonauts on this path?
0: Yeah, and the, well, there are a couple and guys that probably don't get thought of as Argonauts when they go into the Hall of Fame. Like Enoch Mwamba is is going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't, think if he went in after, you know, if, if this was his last year playing, I, I don't think people think of him as an Argonaut, but I think, I think we would. Uh, but yeah, there's I mean, maybe a couple guys. Uh, Andrew Harris, obviously, he's not going to be thought of as, as an Argonaut when he goes into the Hall of Fame. Brandon Banks isn't going to be thought of as an Argonaut when he goes into the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know. I don't, this roster, remember like all of these guys, uh, there was, I guess two of these guys were on the Argonauts in 2019, so it's not like there are any, there's anyone on this roster that you're thinking as a Hall of Fame candidate at this point, and thinking of them as an Argo. So the team is in kind of a unique position because they completely cleared house. Yeah, and it, you don't it's an interesting
1: yeah, it's an interesting kind of lens to view the roster development uh, through.
0: And I can't even, like, I'm trying to think right now of, like, some of the young guys, like, the first or second year players. I, I think, like, you'd have to say, wait, like, who's closest to being a Hall of Famer Curly from Gitts the junior? rookies? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Curling is junior. I know, but, like, he's got a long way to go. He and he has so... at least
1: five more teams to play for.
0: Yeah, at least. Yeah. But so, I don't who know, I'm, maybe well, that's, you
1: know, that's who I'm pulling for. <laughs>
0: Uh, Ernest Edwards was released today. This came as a bit of a surprise to me, but when I started looking at the other receivers on this roster, I, I kind of get why Ernest Edwards. The the reason I hate to lose him is that I I don't know what this coaching staff's aversion to speed is. I love speed receivers, even if you know even if they they can't do everything. Just having them there to to stretch out the defense, I think, is a value. Ernest Edwards is a really fast guy. They've now cut basically all the receivers that are known for their speed and they they sort of did that last year too um and the only holdover was was Chandler Worthy and and then uh then he didn't make it and now Ernest Edwards is gone uh I I guess their thinking is that Ernest Edwards pretty much needs to be an outside guy so he needs to be x or z He's not going to be Z because that's Curly Gittens Jr. And he's not going to back up Curly Gittens Jr. Future because Hall that's a Canadian Famer. spot. Curly Jr. For, yes, future Hall of Famer Curly Gittens Jr. And so he's not going to back up that spot. So really, it's just Ernest Edwards and X. And they clearly realized like last week would have been the perfect week to say, OK, this is you making the roster at X because Eric Rodgers is down and we're moving our X receiver over to W. So that frees up a spot. And he obviously didn't win the job because they had to move Brandon Banks to X. Brandon Banks, who doesn't like playing X, who's never really played X before, they moved him and put him, future Hall of Famer Brandon Banks, in a position that he wasn't comfortable in because no one else won that job. And so to me, that was it. They're like, well, if he's if he's not going to step up when our X receiver is down, then, you know, what What are we doing here? So Yeah,
1: uh, for sure. Like from a coaching point of view... If you're on the depth chart and you're down the depth chart and then you're called upon and you can't do it, then you're like, OK, you, you know, you've got to go. We got to we got to churn. We got to churn the bottom of this roster. And, you know, look, I'm I said last year, too, I'm all for it. You know, the bottom four people on the roster. I'm all for churning constantly until you catch some lightning.
0: The injury report this week is Bananas. You've got 19 Argos listed on the injury report, not including the Argonauts who are on the six-game uh, injury list. So you're not including your your Eric Rogers, your Peter Nicastro, your Jawan Breskison. This is a lo- you basically half the team is is on the injured list, and there's some there's some really big concerns now. Some of it, you know, I'm not sure what to do with like Declan Cross and Devereaux Daniels have both appeared on the injury list. They didn't practice either today or yesterday. There's not a reason listed other than it's non-injury related. So I don't know what's going on with, with those two guys, but uh, I'm worried about DB. I think there's a real problem here. So we knew it was a, an issue last game. They were already thin because you've got the Chris Edwards suspension. So remember we had Robert Priester playing Sam and then we had Jamal Peters out uh, last week, and and he ended up getting replaced by Robertson Daniel who was going to be the Sam we think um, and then Priester ended up stepping in. So you've already got two guys in there that weren't really supposed to be starters in this in this roster. So going into last week's game, that was a the situation. Then Robertson Daniel goes down. He didn't practice uh, yet this week at all. I don't think I don't think Robertson Daniel is going to play this week. Um, that would be my guess. And Robert Priester has also shown up on the injury report. He didn't practice yesterday or today dealing with a hamstring issue. Now we're getting pretty serious. Uh, Deshaun Amos, we can add to that, who was limited with a hip injury. And Jamal Peters uh, did end up practicing today. He went full, but this is the first time he's been able to test out that knee. You know, he didn't really get up to much uh, earlier in the week. So, you know, we'll see what that looks like. But if Jamal Peters has any kind of setback after, you know, really trying it out today, they're in trouble because I think now you're suddenly looking at Caleb Holden starting at corner, and then I don't even know who's backing up. Uh, Matt Boateng uh, didn't practice today or yesterday dealing with a hamstring injury. Everyone in the world has a hamstring injury right now if, if you if you play for the Toronto Argonauts. So, yeah, defensive back-wise, they might be in a situation where they need to bring up Sutton. They might be in a situation where they need to have Haggerty play one of the halfback positions and send Shaq over to play corner. And if somebody gets hurt in this BC game, then, I, yeah, I, I don't know where you're moving guys around to. I'm really curious to see what this depth chart looks like come come Thursday.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much the on-and-off, stop-start kind of pseudo-camp um, affected the normal ramp-up to play. Um, because this is a lot of injuries for a team that's only played one game. Um You know, I I know you know some years are just bad luck in terms of injuries, but I I do wonder if if not having a normal ramp up um, resulted in more soft tissue injuries Uh, because this is you know I mean (laughs) as much disrespect as I piled on BC in the preseason I mean they uh, you know lay a beating on Edmonton Um, so you know they're uh, they're at home. They're going to be a challenge. I mean, we'll get into OCDC, but they—I I don't think necessarily you want to have a, a cheddar cheese secondary heading into a team that put up fifty-nine.
0: No, uh, you it's know, it. like that's—it's not good.
1: But you know, uh, you know, like that's all—it's all part of it. Hope you know, there's still enough talent there. You know, I think in the secondary to to hold the line but you're right i mean no <laughs> absolutely nobody else can go down
0: yeah it's it's thin right now and the thing that's so frustrating is that last year the argos went through this and i get what you're saying with the camp you know being on and off again and there's so many hamstring injuries you have to you have to think that came into play because it's like last week's injury report had 13 guys on it and they hadn't even played a game yet and so, you know, it was already off to a bad start. BC is basically, you know, they're missing like two guys this week. So uh, that could, that could you know, be a reason why. But last year, it was such an issue that that's what led to the Nick Arbuckle trade. They just got in so tight against the cap because when you've got guys missing single games those salaries still count towards your salary cap. You know, six games different because you can you can take those off the books. But you still, not really, because you still need to bring in a replacement. You still need to sign somebody uh, who knows you need to sign somebody. And so, well, uh, it, and if they're Canadians, you know what the price point's going to be. So <laughs> It
1: was one of the things that led to the Nick Garbuckle trade.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. Obviously, they would have found a different answer had he been lighting it up. But... Uh, no, he the the plan was not to trade him, but they just they ended up in a in a real situation. I think that's why both Darby and uh, and Arbuckle ended up having to leave because the the money was just yeah. too tight. Well, and
1: and and look, this is a team that should be able to rely on its offense. You know, like I think that basically you're looking at this and you're saying to the O, like we're going to need, you know, you're going to need to put up 35. This is not going to be a game we're going to win 17 14. So. The, you know, really, I'm looking for the offense to pick up the defense here.
0: Yeah, and offensively, I'm not too worried. Like, I guess Andrew Harris, and that's obviously a big worry because he was probably the best offensive player for the Argos last week, and I, I don't think there's much doubt about that. I think we both had him as the as the best offensive player. Uh, his hamstring, he practiced in limited fashion today. I would I would imagine he's going to go, but the concern here is that if if you're going to and i i don't even know if i would like you kind of got to make a call on on Harris this this is tough like hamstring injuries they they we know they don't get better with playing it's not like he's going to go out and play against BC and feel pretty good monday it doesn't work like that and so you have to wonder if it's if it's smart to to go a different direction this week to dress Wallett instead uh, leave Harris out, mix around your roster for a bit. Obviously, you are gonna have to make that an American spot. Yeah, and um,
1: I, I believe, like I believe, this game is actually sort of surprisingly important because it could potentially be a dagger game when you look at Hamilton and Montreal um, potentially going zero three this weekend. Um, but on the flip side, you do have a little breathing room, right? Like you do have some breathing room in in terms of the division. Uh so if you know, if you're gonna punt on a game and you know, they would never say that, but if essentially you're gonna punt on a game and just basically rule out everybody who's even tweaked, you know, doing it in the middle of the night in British Columbia is the time to do it.
0: <laughs> I guess so, except that it's such a gauntlet after this. Like this is a big deal. That, that's for- what I
1: mean. So like maybe it makes way more sense to punt on this because I mean, you could easily see Montreal and Hamilton losing this weekend.
0: And yeah, but then, I think you have to go into this with as a must win, though. Instead, um, I think it's the opposite.
1: I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I, to me, it makes sense. To me, it makes sense to rule everybody who's even close, because uh, you're you know you're going to need everybody after this week. And that's just um, a thought.
0: Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, but the the next. Three weeks after that, are Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. Exactly.
1: You need everybody, so you don't want to have somebody get tweaked in this game and then be out for three weeks. When like, really, who cares if you beat BC? If you lose, you know you you've already gotten a pretty sweet start with your two division opponents starting off all in two. You you already have some breathing room, you know, <laughs> through no work of your own, but just the way things have broken. The the Argos are in. A pretty good place in the division, to be honest.
0: I just don't like the idea of because if you lose this one, there's a good chance that this turns into a three or four game losing streak, and mm-hmm. that's not something Maybe. you want to weather. Well,
1: not if not if everybody comes back next week ready to rock.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but it just the way things have gone for the Argos, I don't, I don't know if that happens. Um In, in terms of just finishing up this injury report, the the good news that we've got from it. Uh, a couple guys are coming back. So like I mentioned, it's it, it's great that Jamal Peters is back there practicing. I hope he can play because if he can play at corner, I think that does change things this week. And we'll get to this later when we get into fantasy advice, but your fantasy picks are going to have a lot in this game to do with some of these Argos and whether or not they're injured. You know, guys we're talking about like Andrew Harris, guys we're talking about like BC receivers. If Jamal Peters plays, that's very different than if than if you've got Holden out there at, at corner, and you know if a couple of these guys in the secondary are out, then you know you might want to load up on BC. But we'll talk to that more in in our fantasy segment. But yeah, this this has to be monitored this week, not just from an Argos perspective and a Argos fan perspective, but a fantasy perspective too. You know what time it is, JB? <laughs> it's time for OCDC. <laughs> If you're new to the show, our OCDC segment is JB giving you defensive coordinator strategies for both teams and me giving you offensive coordinator strategies for both teams. We will start off with the home British Columbia Lions. So JB, you are the defensive coordinator for the BC Lions. You're defending Macbeth and the vaunted Toronto Argonauts field goal attack. Uh, What are you doing this week against Toronto? Uh...
1: I think that uh, you you keep the middle of the field uh, packed. Take away the seams. Take away the in cuts. Um, you give Toronto those wide open uh, swing passes, passes to the wide side of the field. I think you you know uh, you you allow those because where are those going? They're not they're not going anywhere. Um, and the, those passes are such high risk if you i know like that mcbeth's got a, a great arm but if you just catch a gust of wind or if you, you know just just 5% not enough those are those are sixes um so that's what i'm i'm looking like from a from a passing point of view i'm i'm keeping the middle packed because i don't want him to to start throwing in the seams and in the middle of the field where i, I feel he really excels uh, from a run point of view, I'm just waiting on Harris to go out. You know, you have like, I, I, if he plays, you know, where, where are we going to get out of him? You know, a quarter, quarter and a half. I think, uh, I think that you you feel pretty confident that you're not going to get four quarters of Andrew Harris um, from a run stoppage point of view. Um, so I think you know, and from a pass rush point of view, you know, again. You can, you can speed Macbeth up into making bad decisions. It is um, one of his flaws. He's, he can be great when he's locked in, um, but you can get him frustrated. You can get him uh, trying to do too much. And when you start chasing him, uh, he tries to do too much. And he is not a good, um, you know, Zach Calaris, he is not.
0: Offensively for the BC Lions, I, I've kind of got two strategies for this. I I think it's going to be really tough to run the ball the way that BC ran against Edmonton. <laughs> Toronto's got a very different defensive makeup. Running the ball against Edmonton, it was some of those players were like there was just, just nobody there. I, I don't I don't know quite what no, happened. I mean, but it,
1: it looked honestly, it looked like high school games where you know one team is just so much better than the other. You know that you know they're running these sort of like Counter play for seventy five yards. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, that's that's a good play.
0: I know, and, and with the TV angle, it's so weird because you kind of expect another guy to show up at some point defensively. Like they run a counter play, and you are like, okay, well, the linebacker will come into the picture no. in a second. No. Like, nope. Okay, well, the safety should show up in a No, there is no, there's no there's nobody there.
1: Yeah, it was it was staggering.
0: So it's not going to look like that against Toronto, and I, and I think in fact, middle run is a really bad plan. Uh, they had a lot of success. Uh, running up the middle, breaking through plays. Butler, a couple of his long runs came, just you know really simple middle runs uh, where guys just got beat and then uh, you know one broken tackle and that's it. There was so much space. I, I don't think I would make that part of the plan. The Argos, not only are they good at that, they will have been watching film on that all week. They're looking for that. I think you want to try and get outside. And ideally, if Shane Ray plays, and he's another guy that's um, that hasn't practiced yet this week, but if he plays... You want to stay away from his side because his speed is is elite, but he's one of the guys dealing with a hamstring injury. If he's not in there, then I think you can attack both sides pretty aggressively. And so as BC, I would actually look to run some counters off of Butler, um, you know, fake faking Butler to the left, having a, a jet coming across to the right, uh, vice versa. But I do think you want to attack the outsides, and I think you want to force... The corners who are already going to be under a tremendous amount yeah. of pressure yeah, I mean, to get involved.
1: I think just to kind of jump in, well, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it till I'm, I'm DC and
0: so I think that's my main strategy now. Passing wise, I, I would I would get floods and I would get Rourke on the move. So um, I wanted to we don't you don't see a ton of you don't see a ton of bootlegs uh, in the CFL, but I wouldn't mind some of that a little play action, hard bootleg out wide. I really like flood concepts. Toronto's defense struggled, especially on the boundary side last week. Once once Caleb Holden got in at corner, he and Shaq Richardson had what looked like a few communication issues. Uh, especially with, well, with regards to zone coverage. Uh, So that's where I want to get my floods. I want to really test them, test their discipline. And I think there may be some busts there. Now, if Jamal Peters plays, I, I still think you test it because you're still wanting to see, well, you know, he he didn't play last week he's been dealing with a knee injury. what is his level of health like so I still think you run with that same strategy. So flood the boundary side especially but you know run floods to both sides get rourke out of the pocket get him on the move uh, and if you can change the launch point too that makes it more difficult on the veteran middle where Toronto's strength really is the the linebackers are obviously a real strength but there's strength that you know from from Shack to Amos across the top. Uh, you know, both, both uh, halfbacks, the safety, both linebackers, you want to stay away from that middle of the field. So everything's got to be outside if I'm the BC OC. All right, JB, we've flipped to the good guys. You're the Toronto DC. What do you do?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. Um, You know, British Columbia obviously looked uh, pretty good in their 59-15 win. I think a couple kind of standard things. I mean, number one, you know, James Butler is obviously the focus. You have to be all over him. You have to be rerouting him. You've got to be pushing him off his spot. You cannot have free releases. Um, you know, screenplays. He should never be alone on a screenplay. There should be somebody on him, pushing him off his route on every snap of the ball. Um, I, I just sim- you simply have to take him away. You just cannot let him be the focus. And so I think you're you're looking to. To do that hands-on, Butler on every play, Um, you know, that counter stuff, you know, uh, don't, I guess, be aware of counter. You know, I I think the Toronto Argonauts defensive line and linebackers are a little more solid on that. Um, You know, so that's just standard run defense. I, I didn't see anything that exotic that BC was doing. Um, but I think you know you got to watch the screenplay. You got to watch the quick swing out passes. Um, you can't just give it to Butler and and just allow it and then let him be in space. I think you have to you have to rough him up and you have to make him a focal point um, from a quarterback point of view. You know, look Rourke's trying to become a Canadian icon. Um, if he throws ninety percent completion every game, uh, he certainly will be. A lot of three step drops for him there. Um, he's getting rid of the ball quickly. So I think that, you know, from a defensive point of view, you're probably not looking the pass rush as much as you are hands up in lanes and uh, and taking away those quick slants and taking away those quick passes um, and forcing him to, to progress in his reads a little more downfield. And, uh, you know, I, uh, Whitehead is a heck of a player, and he's going to get his catches. But I, I really feel like if you take Butler out of the game, you know, Lucky Whitehead is not going to uh, single-handedly destroy you. He's not going to score six touchdowns. Like he might score two, fine. We're looking the you know we're looking for a shootout here. Um, so for me, I'm taking care of Butler. I'm getting hands up in the passing lanes, and uh, and and seeing what uh, what BC can do with that uh, in terms of forcing uh, forcing Rourke to to make some plays downfield. Probably play a lot of man. Um, if you're moving corners in and out and moving guys around to new positions, as much as you want to, God, it's so hard to play zone when guys haven't repped it. You know, zone is so, I mean, zone is just so challenging even when you rep it because it's so hard to know what the other guy's going to do and where's my zone begin and who am I going to pick up? And it's, it's such a, it's such a field defense. And I know as a coordinator, you don't want to stay in man the whole game, but, I don't know. I I, I do think Diego is going to have to play a lot of man because you know when guys aren't necessarily repped in a certain position, then it's just got to be I got this cat, you got that cat.
0: If they're if they're gonna play like I, I the way I see it, like I don't I don't know if I like the idea of playing man all game, uh, but they're they're their zone coverage was was so rough well, it's last just so week hard. When, you, like i know you just There's too many new pieces. you got pieces. guys who
1: haven't communicated they've never played halfback before i mean it's just you just don't have the luxury of doing it i in my opinion i think you're you know you're gonna have to play not all man but i think you're gonna have to play a lot of man uh, and i think that's fine with whitehead um you know i think that that's that's you know you put a little uh safety over the top and everything else, work wants to get rid of quickly. I think man works out okay against him.
0: Yeah, I would like I wouldn't run any zero, but I would like as as long as we're we're comfortable with with Mechie sort of strolling a little bit to to Whitehead's side. Just to, I just don't want those like seventy yard bombs to Whitehead. It's so tough to keep up with him. He's so fast. Um, but you know if if they can if they can cheat a little bit to his side, I think that's okay. Not that not that you want to leave Burnham on his own, but uh, it's. You know, you got to kind of pick your poison, I guess, a little bit. I think the keys, like you said before, like pressure. If they can get pressure on Rourke, that's a very different ask for a young quarterback. It's he looked t- great, yeah. like, when, when he had no pressure. It's tough, the though. Like, when you look
1: him. at that Edmonton game, those three-step drops, like, you're just not going to get there. I, I, I don't know how much pressure, unless you're getting pressure up the middle. I'm not sure how much the pressure game is going to work with him. I think, I think you're looking to take away those lanes.
0: Um, yeah, three step. Three step is tough, but I, I still think you can disrupt. Like you're not necessarily getting sacks on three step and fire, but you you can still get some push up the middle. And I do yeah. think that like the Toronto defensive line is way better than the Elks defensive line. They they did nothing. Like Rourke was basically just might be just a nice might be a nice
1: Open game actually.
0: Yeah, like he can be a real key to this game. I think if you're looking at a defensive key, I think Open really disrupting up the middle could be a difference maker.
1: And those you know. He is a large individual to try and throw around.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I know when he gets his hands up, uh, it's tough. He does disrupt. All right, offensive side of the ball. My plan against the Lions, I, I'm kind of excited about a couple of things. I, I think there's a really nice matchup to the field side for the Argos. Uh, now, I, I know I might end up uh, having to eat my words after this. I think I think the Argos can pick on TJ Lee. I know... I know he's been an all-star. He's been a great player in the CFL for a long time. Uh, he's So he's playing He's playing boundary half. He doesn't look like the same TJ Lee to me. I know he had a pick last week, but it was on a very poorly thrown ball. It was actually a ball that shouldn't have been thrown at all. Uh, he, he got beat on it, and he got beat a number of times, and Arbuckle just couldn't find his receiver. I don't know if it's just that TJ Lee lost a step. I don't know if he had help, and just with the TV angle, I can't see that. But to me, I think just in watching the TV coverage, I think, there's, I think there's a possibility there. And then if you look at the fact that you got Taniel Cooper beside him, a young player at field corner uh, who I, I think is vulnerable. And if you've got a, a situation where you're forcing a slightly, uh, you know, on the wrong side of 30, uh, TJ Lee and a young corner, and you've got Curly Gittins Jr. on that side, Uh, Ambles on that side potentially Banks depending on what what happens this week and I I do think that's a possibility you know knowing that Banks doesn't really like the X spot I wouldn't be surprised to see DeVaris Daniels go back to X and maybe they try Cam Phillips with an extra week of reps or what's it probably more likely is AJ Richardson uh, at W uh, and maybe he plays there, and then you've got Banks, Ambles, and Gittens Jr. If they're on the field side, I, I really like those matchups with, with Lee and Cooper. So that's I'm, I'm going to target them as much as I can. The other thing uh, that I think you can do is run. I think this has to be a run game. I really wish Andrew Harris weren't banged up because this BC defensive line, they're, they're slow. Uh, they're banged up as well. I, I think there's opportunities there. I still, I like power middle against this defensive line because of how banged up they, they are. They've got some players that should be able to stand up, up the middle. Um, but they they really didn't that well. Edmonton didn't run that much because they got down so early. But Wilder found room in middle run. And they're more banged up this week than they were in week one. So I do think there's some opportunities up the middle. But I really want to see Coach Dinwiddie take advantage of what he set up so well last week. So all the things that you and I, JB, were talking about that we wanted to see in the second half of last week... We we've got to now see them in this week's game because we didn't see them in the second half. So that's play action off of Harris. This is misdirection off of Harris. Um jet counters that I talked about as being a strategy for the BC offense. Get the defense going one way. I think you can take the edge. I don't I don't love the contain of BC. I think that you know, both the guys they got on the edge, it's not like they're huge guys, they both, you know, weigh in about two fifty, but they're not the fastest guys in the world. You can beat them to the outside, you can break contain as long as it's quick um and so that's a a mix of that power runs up the middle counters to the outside uh and then when you do pass i think we're really looking field side to take advantage of lee and cooper so that's my plan for ocdc one thing did our one things come through last week (laughs) mine did not i wanted an early Mm. score and we threw an interception on that first drive your one thing last week you you wanted a a punt return touchdown?
1: Touchdown? No, just a punt return over 20 yards.
0: Okay. Well, the the return game was unquestionably better than it has been. So I think, you know, you kind of got a little bit of uh a no. little bit of what you're asking for in one thing. Where are you going this week?
1: I will not accept that. Um this week uh, <laughs> I'm just going to keep recycling my Uh, my wishes until they come true uh this week i'm putting it on the O. I want to see a red zone touchdown
0: you'd think that wouldn't be too much to ask but yeah
1: want it i want a red zone touchdown let's let's go come on let's get this let's get this figured out
0: if your one thing doesn't come true then the argos don't win this game they're not going to beat BC without the ability to score a red zone no, touchdown. I, I think so. it's a
1: bounce back game for the offense. I think that you know they they are um, you know they're not the 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 weak sister of the team. They are um, you know they have we have great players on offense. They did not show it versus Montreal, and I think they're ready for a bounce back. I'm you know I'm looking for them to to go out there and uh, and show that they are one of the top four teams in the CFL.
0: My one thing is I want to see somebody step up that no one is expecting to step up. And I'm. it can be offense, it can be defense. At the end of this game, I want CFL fans across the league saying, well, who the heck is this guy? And, and it, you know, there are a number of candidates here. It could be, maybe it's Cam Phillips, maybe, maybe it's uh, Richardson, maybe it's Adebayo Boye, maybe it's Priester. Holden there's so many different players that it could be one of them needs to have the game of their life this week the Argos are banged up they're down they're going into a tough place to play on the other side of the country a place where they lost 55-8 last time Uh, we traveled there and they're going to need more than just the you know the effort that they got last week and the you know mediocre results that we saw on, on both sides of the ball it has to be better and so someone that isn't a star has to become a star this week that's my one thing. Predictions are tough for this one. Uh, I don't know. Do you want me to go first? How I see this game going?
1: Uh, I believe I went first last week.
0: All right, I'll start it off. Um, I think this is a BC win. I. I don't want it to be. I would love very much for the Argos to win this. I think it's a really big game. I think the Argos winning this goes a long way to them winning the East this year. Because, like you said in our last segment, there's a really good chance Hamilton loses. A really good chance Montreal loses. This is an opportunity to to make ground to be two and zero against the rest of the division that hasn't won a single game. Is really an advantage early on. It's it's just an eighteen game season. You think about baseball and you know being two games up with like you know two weeks remaining. That's that's a, that's a big difference. It's it's hard to catch up, and that's basically the scenario that we're in right now. So to me, it's a big game. I just I don't think it's the right situation. And what crushes me is if the Argos were healthy, BC is absolutely ripe for picking because. They have, they to go on a bye week after the start they had is death. You can bet every coach absolutely hated the mentality around the BC Lions practice these last two weeks because it's been nothing but positivity. The whole country is talking about how dominant you were, how great your team is. Everyone's talking about how amazing the offense was, how amazing the defense was. And they've done nothing but take this in for the last two weeks. You love playing teams like this. Unfortunately, the Argos are just not in the right position to take advantage of it. And the areas in which they're hurting most happen to coincide with BC's strengths. So I just think it's going to be a really tough game on, on the defensive backfield for Toronto. I don't think they've shown the ability to put up the kind of points they're going to need to put up. I don't think they get to 30. So I, I think Toronto ends up losing a, a pretty tight one. Uh, 30 to 26 is my final.
1: I agree that it is surprisingly a huge game. I think they're going to be dialed in for it. I think, I think the coaching staff, um, you know, as much as I talked about, maybe they punt on this. I mean, I think the desire to put a dagger in your opponents to, to go two and O with your opponents potentially being zero and three, I think is, is really attractive. Um, you know, this early in the season. Um, I, I think they have enough offense to get it done. Um, and, I've, you know, I'm really looking forward to the offense, um, you know, showing, showing them what it is, that it, it is capable of winning games. And so I've got the Argos winning um, 30-27.
0: I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I just I don't feel good about I still feel good about that stadium after the last time. I still got this sort of shell shock when I think about No, it's going to be t- poorly it, look, that went.
1: I agree. It's going to be tough, but man, what an opportunity to have an opportunity like this pup before you. Um,
0: I know. I know, and the coaches know it too. You can see it at practice like they get the urgency of this. And the veteran players get it too. I just
1: And and it's they'll just so know guys come up. Saturday.
0: I know they're the last game too, like the opportunity. But I'm 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 worried that it takes the pressure off. Like if those teams do lose, does that does that alleviate some of that pressure? Mm, and you're like, I oh, I, I okay. think it
1: amps it out. I mean, if they lose, you're like, here we go. Like this, you I mean, essentially, like like to ha- you would have to you would have to lose six in a row to to lose that. Um, you know, to the you would basically just have to go five hundred the rest of the season to to clinch the East. In my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with your math. I think that makes sense. Alright, we'll see. We'll see. I hope you're right and I so rarely hope you're right. <laughs> Let's do some fantasy advice, JB, and we are we're we're in the win column. We absolutely destroyed the Argos fan cast this past week. We got our credibility back after a really rough debut uh where we scored under 50 points. Yeah, yeah that we was... we crushed it.
1: That was a terrible opening, uh, gambit, but it was nice. You know, I mean, look, it it felt like beating Ottawa, but you you know, you can only play the teams that they put in front of you.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get a a more worthy opponent this week. Uh, but, uh, that's, um, you know, that's, that's how it goes. We, we just got to play who they give us and sorry, fan cast. Uh, but, uh, we'll look forward to the rematch. This week we take on Canadian Football Countdown, uh, so I expect a a little bit more competitive battle. So... Uh, we've got some tough calls this week. I don't know if we can lock in our fantasy lineup because we're going to have to wait to see some injury news later in the week. But what we will give you is some value and some positional areas that we think you should maybe look to when you kind of analyze these four matchups that we've got this week. So stuff that we like. In terms of quarterback, I don't think you'll find any better value than Bo Levi Mitchell at 8,600. Like you're looking, the top of the quarterback market is 11900 So you're almost talking 12000 for Cody Fajardo. I would absolutely stay away from Cody Fajardo. He loses his center this week. I think Montreal is actually going to win that game, and I'll go through why when we get to our, our picks and predictions. Um, but at the very least, it's going to be tight. Losing your center as a quarterback is a much bigger deal than I think a lot of people realize. Um, and, you know, other than that, if you're looking for value, it's not terrible value with Trevor Harris – uh, in the quarterback spot, nine thousand one hundred. I, I think if I weren't playing Bo Levi Mitchell, I think that's probably where I would go. Um, you know, for that one, I think there are a lot of people that are going to be on Nathan Rourke, and I know we talked about the banged up secondary for Toronto. I just I'm not sure, given that if you can get Nathan Rourke for and Trevor Harris for like the same price or Bolivia Mitchell for the same price then yeah then you know I don't know and he's 900 dollars more expensive than those I guys mean, or a thousand more Burke,
1: as a Canadian quarterback puts up two games in a row like that do do they build him a statue
0: you start thinking about it like it's it's an amazing thing Dude, and, and when we're... was the last
1: time a Canadian quarterback uh you know was was a potential MVP of the league i mean if he were to put up another big game against the Argos I mean that would make him one of the best two quarterbacks in the league
0: and from that standpoint I hope that happens I, I hate to see it happen against the Argos I would love Nathan Rourke to be a star but it's it's one game into his big season and I think that for him to be priced in fantasy as as the was well, the sort of second highest eligible quarterback they've got Vernon Adams ahead of him uh who will not be playing this week but Um, I just don't think I think it's just too too big a risk and while I like him and I think his numbers will be good I think your money is better spent spend you know $800 less on Trevor Harris or spend $1,500 less on Bo Levi Mitchell that's better value for running backs, if you wanted to go like if you want to go high end, I would I would stay away from Andrew Harris this week. I just don't think you're going to get a full game from him. I'd also stay away from James Butler. Those are the top two guys on the board. Butler and Harris. I would stay away from those guys. The next three guys are are all banged up. stanbeck uh, Kadeem Carey, Don Jackson. I would stay away from them too. I think there is a lot of value in some of those next tier guys. I think I think James Wilder is actually an interesting play at six thousand four hundred this week. Uh, but I still I still love the I still love the the bombers guys. I think you know Brady Oliveira five thousand two hundred sixty six. I really like Johnny Augustine. Maybe this is the week he has his breakout game. 4,300, there's really nice value there. And if you're going a lot less with like two of those running backs, it means you can splurge a bit with receivers. And there's some really nice receiver matchups this week. So yeah, I kind of like spending less on running backs uh, in this week's. And you know, you can even get like, uh, just run uh, Antwi starting running back for Montreal and he's 4,600. You can get like three different running back starters uh, for averaging like 5,500 a player. Um that that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean you and I debated. We'll see how it goes. Like I I I'm of the mind that I I like Oliveira. I think that's a nice value pick still. Uh, but for running back 2, I just punted. I'd be like give me the give me the guy holding the you know, give me the guy holding the Gatorade thing, you know, for 1000. Um you know, I I wouldn't spend any money on QB on RB2. Yeah, I I just I just don't think there's any value there even at 4000 like for what the the, the the bunch of random guys gonna put up thirty five yards? So I I'd, I'd rather save that money for receivers.
0: I think the problem is like in our league you're not allowed to leave any position blank, and so with our setup the minimum you can spend is is two thousand five hundred. No, no, I'd love one to go lower.
1: I'd love to go lower, but I'd, yeah, I'd go I say twenty five hundred for me. RB 2 two, twenty five hundred. Uh, flex the problem too. is you We'd can't play
0: find play. anyone that's even playing. Like the, I think the best if you're going really cheap for three thousand five hundred, that's about as low as you can get because even like Javon Leak is three thousand five hundred. Uh, I, no, I know he might get I understand. a couple of I, I just
1: don't think there's any difference between the guy who might play a little and the guy who doesn't play at all. I just don't. I just I'm like you know, give me give me um, you know uh, an Argos fullback over uh, you know. I I just for me uh, that's probably the way I'd play it like look i you, we don't have to we'll see how it plays out but that would be my strategy i would i wouldn't bother with anything at rb2 cuz i just don't think there's any there's any value there even at a lowered rate cuz those guys are not anything in my opinion
0: See, I think, I, and I disagree with that, because I think if you go, like, Joshua we had a pretty bad game last week, but I don't see that happening again. I don't see Montreal being unable to run the ball a couple weeks in a row. And so I do think there's good value in him. at, And he's only, you know, like $2,000 more than a guy that won't even play. And he's the starting running back. And, you know, Jamal Morrow, I, I like Brady Oliveira, we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, we but if see. you're really looking for a value guy, I think Baboye might be a, a sneaky one, because... Three thousand five hundred for a guy that may end up. We don't know how it will work out, but depending on Harris, he may get the majority of the snaps. Or if we find out come Thursday, if Harris can't go, now they probably make that position American, and now you start looking at Javon Leak and you start looking at at AJ Walet, and now suddenly you've got some real value. AJ Walet, two thousand five hundred, yeah, um, you know, something like that, or yeah, actually, I, I, I don't, I'm not even sure he'll be healthy though. I like so. let
1: too if he, if he's a go.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. So you got to see how that works out, and there's going to be a lot of those game time decisions this week. Um, now for defense, um, or sorry, let's do, let's do receivers first. This is where I do think you load up. I I like the BC receivers. I think Lucky Whitehead. I I think you're you're going to get numbers from. Him. I don't know if he's going to have a, a monster day, but I think you're looking at a hundred yards, and I think there's a pretty good likelihood of a touchdown. And I think that's pretty good value at any cost. He's eight thousand eight hundred. Which isn't through the roof. We've seen receivers a lot higher than that, so I like I like him uh, as a play. Um, I think strategy wise, this week I wouldn't mind loading up on the Montreal skill guys. I actually expect them to do fairly well against Saskatchewan this week with fewer question marks this week at quarterback. They know Harris is going to be the guy. There's not it's not going to be a positional battle this week. They're not looking to the bench to see if someone else is coming in. So I do like the Montreal guys. Um I, I like pretty much any BC receiver. I think they could they could all have decent days. Uh, but I think yeah, Lucky White is where I would focus. Um anyone in particular stand out to you receiver wise?
1: Uh well, I always love me some Kenny Lawler. I know you're going to pay uh you know, I know you're going to pay uh retail for him, but I like Kenny Lawler. I like uh I like Shaq Evans again. I still think there's value there. Um I like the Winnipeg receivers. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for paying good money for those two receivers because I feel like if you get two good receivers and a quarterback, then, you know, I think you're pretty set because, like, who's going to beat you with the running backs? I, I don't think so. I think, I think that's enough to, to take the week.
0: Yeah. And if you're looking for value plays, uh, at, Receiver, I, I think you look to the Argos' dress list again. I, I think you can find some points in Cam Phillips, or if AJ Richardson ends up playing W, you'll get those guys for two thousand five hundred. And you know, there's they're going to get some yardage. They're going to get some balls thrown their way, and for a minimum price, uh, that's not a bad gamble. But otherwise, I think your strategy you want to you want to focus in on Saskatchewan's always, you know, always a good place to to focus for receiver Montreal and yeah, like I love uh, I I
1: love me some Greg Ellingson. You know, I think he's, yeah. You know he's going to be he's going to be seven catches and eighty five yards all day. And even the Edmonton uh, guys you know, have
0: some some value, um, but I just I want to stay away from Edmonton for now. And you. transitioning into our defensive pick, uh, I like the Calgary Stampeder's defense this week at three thousand two hundred forty four. I just think I think you keep going against Edmonton until they show you they're not going to throw interceptions and and fumble the football. I think that's just a, a smart play until they prove otherwise. They're getting better. They've gotten certainly better than than week one, that disaster of a, a week. But Calgary at home against Edmonton, that's always a pretty intense game. I think the Stampeders um, are going to make it pretty tough uh, on the Elks. And the Elks make it tough on themselves to begin with. So I like Calgary D. Uh, but I could see you going, you know, Hamilton, Winnipeg defense, uh, both I think are, are good plays this week. If you were ever going to play the Montreal defense, this week might be the week to do it because Saskatchewan's banged up and we know the problems they're going to have on the offensive line. Um, but, you know, I think, I, I think there are better options there. Uh, in terms of other places to go uh, for fantasy, I say stay away from Hamilton, Winnipeg. Uh, I wouldn't take a single player from Hamilton or Winnipeg except for the value running backs that we've got uh, listed as, you know, with with Oliver and Augustine. Otherwise, I just, I think that's going to be a low scoring, intense football game that are not going to, it's not going to produce a lot of fantasy points. So, um, yeah, I'd stay clear there. But there's there's opportunities everywhere else. So that is our fantasy advice for this week.
1: Yeah, and I love that... uh you know, that we were able to to get some value out of picking tie cats, And then, you know, at the last minute they wet their pants and uh, it was kind of the best of both worlds.
0: It was the best, we had Dane Evans last week who had a great first half, uh, did everything that we needed him to do fantasy wise and they still lost the game. It was the best, best of both worlds. Yeah,
1: way to go Hamilton.
0: Let's get to our picks for this week. So you are up on me by one game. We were three and one last week. Ugh, we just, we've had like just some bad beats. My, my Ottawa pick in week one was a bad beat. And then, yeah, last week we both missed on Hamilton. We were three and one. Otherwise, uh, I, I still can't believe Hamilton threw that game away.
1: Way tougher this week. Way tougher this week.
0: Yeah. Uh, so let's start it off. Saskatchewan at Montreal. You're up first. Who do you like?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, look, uh, Sask- I'm gonna I'm gonna back Saskatchewan because they've been my horse. Uh, Montreal at home, as any Argo fan knows, is a problem. Uh, Montreal also, like we've talked about, they they know like an O three hole. Regardless of what the Argos do, like an O three hole is is not easy to get out of. Um, you know, like you're you're you end up having to go. You know, sort of twelve and three the rest of the way. You know, so you're really digging yourself a hole there. Um, but I, I think Saskatchewan can get it done uh, in that game. So until until proven otherwise, I'm going to roll Saskatchewan. But uh, that's going to be a really interesting game because Montreal really needs it. But I, I do also wonder, like, if more COVID stuff pops up.
0: Yeah, that is a concern. I think there's probably a few teams worried a little bit about that after the first week. But yeah, we we know that Vernon Adams is is out. Um, he has COVID, and y- you have to wonder I mean, how not, much that's going to spread and not to how it's going to affect this, cause people.
1: Certainly, you and I have talked a lot about it on here. But you know, the league I think is it'll be very interesting to see what the NFL does. But you have to think the league is going to try and institute some more protocols if this starts to to become an issue where teams are losing four or five starters
0: Yeah, if if that's what happens. Now, I I don't know if that's going to be what happens. Uh, We'll we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, if if you do start losing four and five starters every week, then then they probably will step in with some more protocols. But I I don't, you know, we're early. This hasn't, nothing's, there hasn't been like an outbreak yet that we we know about. So I I think we're sort of, I, I don't see anything going in reverse here unless it's pretty drastic. So I wouldn't anticipate that happening uh Saskatchewan Montreal for me this is a Montreal win I I think if there's ever a time for Montreal to win a game it's got to be this week they're they're in desperation mode they can't go 0-3 they are a better team than their record right now they really should have pulled that off last week Uh, they you know probably should have pulled it off in in week one Um, Montreal could very easily be 2-0 they need this win and I think they're going to get it so Montreal for me Hamilton at Winnipeg I'll go first on this one uh, I think I think Winnipeg, uh, I think they kind of own Hamilton psychologically. But I also think they're the better football team. I think they're a tough team to beat at home. I, I, they're not going to be sleeping on Hamilton the way that they were sleeping on Ottawa in their home opener. So I think Winnipeg wins this one.
1: Yeah, this is a really hard one because, you, you know, it's it's always so hard at the beginning, especially when the team plays another team twice. Uh, like, we don't really know what Ottawa is, you know. is Is Ottawa like a plucky little team that'll give you a fight or is Ottawa garbage and and Winnipeg really should be beating them by a lot more Um, I like Winnipeg at home I already have showered uh, after picking Hamilton last week and will not be picking them again um, soon so I like Winnipeg at home but I am very curious this is one of those uh, power ranking crossover games
0: the next one up is Edmonton at Calgary. You're up first for this. Do the Elks <laughs> get their first and only win of the season?
1: Uh, no. Um, the Elks uh, looked better uh, last week, but I say no to the Elks. Um, I say no, sir. Calgary at home, uh, I think, uh, give the Elks a good hammering.
0: Yeah, I just I can't see... Like, after... We were duped into picking the Elks in week one. I just don't feel like I'm gonna pick them again until they until they prove me wrong. So I think Calgary's a better football team. Uh they, they don't look great though. They're vulnerable, but it's in Calgary. This this game's gonna be fun to watch. I love Edmonton Calgary games are are intense. So I'm looking forward to this one, but I think Calgary wins it. And we've already given you our Toronto BC predictions. Uh I'm on BC you're on Toronto, and that will just about wrap it up. Make sure you catch our post game reaction podcast that will probably be out at about 4 a.m. on Saturday once uh, everything wraps up. <laughs> no, um, yeah. so I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about this one, JB. I know you're not excited about the the game in the in the West Coast time zone. Mm. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X and I Argos podcast. For JB, this has Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.